What's up, everybody? You're now listening to the In Love with Horror podcast. We are your hosts. I'm AJ. And I'm Christy. Join us for a love affair with all things horror as we explore the world of horror films, games, and everything in between. All right, today, y'all, we got another good episode. Of course, we'll be going over the trailers that dropped this week. And uh, there wasn't uh, a whole lot of trailers, but we did get um, some interesting trailers as well as a cool featurette this week. Uh, and then, of course, we'll be jumping into uh, the news. And it's pretty light on news, uh, but still some decent topics that we'll get into, uh, including uh, talking about Oppenheimer, which is interesting because you wouldn't think we'd talk about that on a horror podcast, but we'll get into it. And then, of course, uh, with uh, Juneteenth being this week, we're going to take a look at uh, black horror movies and kind of examine the history uh, of it and then talk about some of our favorite movies that, you know, just involve uh, black leads and horror movies that involve black leads. We'll be diving into that. Uh, and then lastly, of course, and we're almost there, y'all. We're going over the uh, uh, season two, episode nine for From. We're giving you our, our spoiler reaction and review of that episode. One more episode left. Season finale this week. Um, but that'll be uh, our podcast. But before we do all that, of course, we got to dive into what we watched this week. And of course, as always, baby, I'm going to hand it over to you to talk about what you watched. Thank you, dear. Yeah, I watched quite a few things this week. I uh, had a lot of time on my hands, so. A whole lot, apparently. Ha <laughs> ha, funny. Anyways, um, I checked out the found footage phenomenon, which is a documentary. Um, it was mentioned during the Fangoria Awards, so I've been wanting to check it out for a minute. And it is available on Shutter. Um, this was actually really good because. I think found footage movies are really cool, right? Like, so I was just really interested in the topic in general, but um, like they broke down a lot of like the history of it and kind of like where the concept came from and how found footage movies kind of like got kind of go hand in hand with our you know, like with pop culture and stuff like that. So yeah. I thought it was really, really good. Um, found out a lot of stuff I didn't know uh, about a bunch of movies I had never heard of. So definitely things that I might want to check out. And some of the things that really stood out to me was like, obviously the topic about the Blair Witch Project, because, you know, we were in that generation of people who watched that mm-hmm. um, when it first came out and stuff like that. And, um, one of the things that they said, because I, w- I wanted to mention this because I thought it was really, really interesting. One of the things they said was that the reason why the Blair Witch Project was so like popular was because not more, not because of the movie itself, but because of this like, like this legend and myth mythology that they kind of like created around it. Right. Yeah, because they had a whole website and everything for that movie. Right. They were talking about that and how interactive and investigative it was, and how people were just like enthralled with the story itself and that's what made it so big and and i really hadn't like dived into all that stuff before so it was really cool to see all that and um but yeah i think it's definitely worth watching it's a little long but i still thought it was good so if you got time this weekend and don't have anything else to do then that's something that you should check out um yeah i gotta check that one out Damn, Bless excuse you. me, y'all. I, I meant I tried to catch the mute before, but I knew it was coming, <laughs> but I couldn't catch it in time. My bad. 
Um, but I didn't even know that was on Shutter. I gotta watch that one because you know I love I love me some found footage. Uh, so I think it'd be cool. Yeah, to I think you would. Really I, I gotta watch that one for sure. Um, and then I also watched the Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, the Robert English story. Man, that was that was really interesting. Like it was because obviously I'm like I like documentaries, but I really like it when it's about like some point a person's life. I don't know why, but I, I like biographies and stuff like that. But anyways, just like getting that whole backstory of who he is, you know, kind of like how he got his start, and then um, like. Also getting kind of insight in him as a person, because like everybody that was on there had nothing but good things to say about him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's really kind of like rare in, you know, Hollywood, you know what I'm saying? Like to have people who are these icons seem to be like these really cool people. So that was really interesting. And then, um, you know, he, he, hearing his point of view on the Freddie character and um people's response to freddie because like they kept talking about how there's like it's so weird that people love this guy so much like the freddie character but he was like a child molester and a child murderer but they still like are infatuated with him so I, right. I was like so funny but anyways that's such a good um documentary too if you want to check that out it's on Screenbox. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one's also kind of long, but it's pretty good. And then I checked out a couple movies. I watched this movie called Play Dead, which just came out on Tubi. It's a Tubi original. And the main actress on here, I've known her from like a while. Like she's been an actress since we were like a little kid. Like she used to do like Disney movies and um, like Halloween stuff. But anyways, so I'm familiar with her. So I wanted to check it out. And again, it's a 2B original, and you can tell it's a 2B original. <laughs> Let me tell you, this movie is it's retarded. Like it's about this girl and this and her brother. And him, the brother and like his friend do something stupid, like they try to rob somebody. Mm-hmm. And they kind of get caught in the midst of the act. And this friend, his friend is black. And he gets like shot and he leaves him. The brother leaves him. His name is TJ. TJ leaves his friend because he thinks he's dead. And um, he goes back home, tells his sister what, hap- what happened. And she says, you know, asking him all these questions, trying to figure out, um, is there any kind of, you know, way you're tying him to this robbery? And he realizes that the boy that he left behind had his phone and they had discussed this robbery on his phone. So it's her bright idea to go to the um, coroner's office where his body is to try to get his phone back. And to do that, she does something really dumb, basically pretend to be dead. And so the movie unfolds about her being inside of this um, coroner's office and she can't get out. And yeah, that's what the movie's about. But it's, it's really retarded (laughs) Uh, yeah um i i think that the way that the story unfolds is interesting like there's some pieces that make it interesting but it's not how i thought it was gonna be i'll put like that so yeah 
I don't know if anybody will be interested in watching it or not. I yeah. would give it like a three out of ten. A for effort. It was just an A. Yeah, for it effort. sounds like one most people will probably skip. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny because a, a couple of people had mentioned it and it was like, oh, this was pretty good. And I was like, oh, okay, let me check it out. And I was like, ah. Oh, wow. I'll tell okay. you, I can't trust everybody's. <laughs> no, you really can't. You can't go. <laughs> Uh, and then I watched Unwelcome. I was actually looking forward to this movie. It came out, Shudder. And the the lead actress, um, she, she's um, a woman of color. I forgot her name now. But anyways, I, I was interested in watching this one. Um, so it's, a, it's about this couple who get like robbed. They live in London. And um, they had this like terrible experience. And so they want to move. So they move to Scotland because her husband's aunt passed away and she left behind her house. And so they moved to her house. And um, with the house comes these rules they have to follow. And they have to follow these rules like exactly. And they're like, okay, cool. We'll follow the rules. And so this, there's like a, like a, a a legend and some lore around the woods that are around this house and some crazy stuff happens. This movie, it is, I don't know how to describe it. It's really weird because it starts out like you would expect a horror movie to kind of be right. Like you got like all the little flavors, like the husband who doesn't believe the wife and um, you got creepy things happening and, mm-hmm. you know, so it's got all those parts. But then near the end, it gets kind of weird. Like it goes way out there. It's very fantastical. Like, I don't know. And there's like these mysterious creatures and it's just a whole lot. But um the director of this movie, he's also, um, I think he's Irish. Um, and I've looked at his other movies and they're all kind of like in the same vein. So I think there's just his interpretation of horror. So it's just not my style of horror. Like folklore style or something like that. Yeah, it's very folklore mm-hmm. style. Right, exactly. And like some of the stuff in there, I'm just like, ah, you know. But I thought it was worth watching. Like it's definitely you know you go into it thinking something else, and then you come out like, "What the heck did I just watch?" Right. (laughs) But I don't know. It's worth watching once. That's all I gotta say. Okay, I'm gonna have to check that one out then. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. That's a, what that's did a, you watch, my love? Yeah, that's a good little assortment of stuff, baby. Well, uh, I've been watching um, Evil season three uh, this week. Uh, I'm a big fan of the show Evil, uh, but for some reason, I just never got around to watching uh, season three. And with season four supposedly coming out next month in July, I was like, well, I got to catch up. So I've been um, pretty much binging season three uh, this week. I'm not quite done yet. I think I got about three episodes left of the season, but. Uh, the season is is incredible. Like that show is so good. I think the writing is really, really well done. I like a lot of the social commentary, and I like a lot of the thoughts that it that it uh, that it provokes, like things I didn't think about. 
Um, there's even an episode in the third season that talked about like, you know, like how angels and, you know, uh, throughout history and like the Renaissance art and things like that have always been depicted as white. And when I, after I saw that, you know, I was sitting there, I was like, man, I, I don't think I've ever thought about that. Like in my mind, it's just not something that really, it never really crossed my mind for some reason. You know, you just kind of accept it. Like, like that's it. You're just used to seeing it. Is You see it all around that you get to the point where you're just used to seeing like, Oh, well, angels are white. And it's not even like mm-hmm. you, you're just, you're just not even thinking about it. So, uh, it was like, Oh, that's, I tend to think that's very, it's a very good point. Very interesting. So it does a lot of, has a lot of thought provoking things and ideas and concepts like that in the show. It's, it's a, it's a, honestly a, an incredible show. Uh, if you've never heard of it, it's called evil. Uh, it comes on uh peacock and, you know, it centers around uh, a group of three people. Uh, one of them is a priest. One of them is like the, like a technology science, uh, based, based person, not really a believer. And the third, uh, person is a woman who's a psychiatrist you know she very much focuses on the mental aspect of phenomenas uh, and so these team of three people they work for the catholic church and they investigate kind of like supernatural things so they investigate hauntings or supernatural things like demon activity and they're exploring the idea of like oh you know the three of them are kind of teaming up together each having you know the things they specialize in and determining if what people are experiencing are actual, you know, demons or supernatural things, or if it's just in their mind or just like explain away with some sort of technology or science, like the really cool show. If you like sort of like, you know, mystery shows like that and thought provoking shows, good writing, good acting. The the priest is played by Mike Coulter. Uh, it's a dude that played Luke Cage. Like he's, he's awesome in that show. Uh, you'll really, really like the characters and get really invested. Um, but it's a great show. And it's also crazy. Like that's this third season has been wild. Uh, but that's all I'll say about it. Definitely watch the show if you like, you know, horror-based shows. Like, it definitely has its moments where it has some very, like, creepy Im- imagery. Uh, but, yeah, it's a fun show. Definitely definitely check it out. Highly recommend it. And hopefully, there's no release date, I don't think, for season four yet. But I just know I saw an article that mentioned that supposedly it's coming next month in July. So, fingers crossed that that actually sticks because uh, I definitely look forward to it um but yeah so that's what we watched this week y'all so with that we'll go ahead and move on to the new trailers to drop this week starting off with the first one called mother may i uh, this is a limited release movie coming out on july 21st and i don't know was this a theater only limited release or is it coming to vod too do you remember um it said theater i'm pretty sure okay okay um so let me let me get the description for y'all here real quick so the it's a pretty short little description, but the description for this movie called Mother May I says, when Anya starts behaving like his recently deceased mother, Emmett must confront his deepest traumas to free his fiance from this bewildering possession. So uh, to give you all an idea, if you haven't seen the trailer, this movie is about a couple. Uh, the the dudes, uh, his mom recently passed away. So it looks like you know, they spread her ashes at uh, at the mm-hmm. lake at a house that she owned. Uh, the house was given to him uh, in her will or whatever. And so um, him and his uh, uh, fiance are there visiting the house. And I guess she starts to exhibit like things that his mother used to do. Like she started smoking. She was like cooking him like a certain kind of breakfast. And almost as if like his mother was, you know, possessing her. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie looks super interesting. I, I was like, that's a very weird concept. Uh, 
you know, I've never heard or seen anything like that. Um, so I like the idea and I, I like the, uh, I, I like the way the movie looks because it's a, I'm, I'm sure it's an indie movie, but, uh, but the camera work and kind of the editing and, uh, the, the, the color grading of the, of the movie actually looked really good. I, I really did like it. Also, it stars, uh, the, the dude is played by, uh, Kyle Gallner. And we recently saw him as Joel, the ex-boyfriend cop in the movie Smile. And I actually really liked him in that movie. So seeing him again, I was like, oh, that's that one guy. Like, that was cool. Uh, but I thought it looked interesting. What'd you think about it, bro? I agree. I thought it looked interesting as well. Um, it definitely gave you that vibe. Like, maybe she's not really getting possessed or, you know, like, is that really what's going on? Like, it, it, mm-hmm. it kind of like pulls you in and kind of intrigued by the story of trying to figure out what's really going on. Um, kind of remind me of like an A24 film or something, but. Uh, it looked really interesting, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, but definitely, definitely check out that trailer, y'all, because it, it's it's got a very uh a, ve- a very interesting vibe to it and a very interesting concept. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm sure that it's gonna have some sort of twist or something weird like That's that. That's what I was thinking. Like, oh well. Maybe oh yeah, you definitely else, know it is. You know? It's gonna be something weird and crazy <laughs> with it, and they know how these trailers do like a montage at the end of the trailer about all the crazy shit you'll see in the movie and it looks like it, it looks like it's going to get wild mm-hmm. but again that movie's called mother may i uh limited release to theaters on july 21st definitely check out that trailer i am excited to see that one okay next on this list y'all we got a featurette and it was a haunted mansion featurette uh this is uh like a i think it was like right under two minutes mm-hmm. and a little featurette that gives you a little behind the scenes like you know little cast interviews talking about the process of making the movie uh, and it was a, it was actually a really good little featurette. It didn't, yeah. I felt like it didn't give away too much. Uh, definitely just, you know, having the cast sell the movie and talk about the, the filmmaking process. They had the director up there, Justin Simeon, kind of like driving home the point of, you know, he wanted everything in this movie to be like the ride. And so you get a, you get a chance to see a lot of uh, the set pieces in the movie and the, the cast yeah. talking about, you know, uh, how brought to life the set is like you're really stepping into um this world and how everything just ha- like every detail just has like a story to it um and honestly i feel like it just got me more excited for this movie i feel like the more i see of this movie the more excited i'm getting and i feel like that first trailer i was kind of like okay about it but like this that last trailer that they put out in this featurette i'm like damn like this movie actually is starting to look mm-hmm. really good uh what do you think about the feature ever yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, but you know, I was thinking when I was watching this, I was like, well, maybe we shouldn't take Baby Girl because I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it might be too loose, be too scary for her. Oh yeah, I think so too. Yeah, because I, you know, he even uh, Keith was talking about how you know they have the jump scares and stuff. I was like, mm, I need to let her, not take her to that one. Yep. But um, it looked really good, and you know, I'm not a big fan of Tiffany Haddish, but um i don't know i'm kind of interested in how she gonna do yeah. uh, based on the featurette i was like well maybe she might be all right you know um i think honestly all the cast looks all right in this movie yeah and they yeah. they made a point of that in the in the trailer like pretty much everyone was unanimously saying that like they had a lot of fun on the set mm-hmm. it was with a lot of joy a lot of laughs um and even owen wilson at one point in that feature was like you know like i actually really enjoyed coming to work on this film every day yeah um and it does look like they had a good time uh the movie is pretty wild so i'd imagine that it was a lot of fun to make yeah it looks like it was a lot of fun 
But yeah, I, I enjoy what this will feature it. So I'm looking forward to watching the movie for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like I said, I feel like every little thing they put out, I'm getting getting uh, more and more excited. But uh, yeah, y'all, Haunted Mansion featurette, check that out because uh, I think it'll definitely hype you all up. And again, that movie's coming to theaters on July 28th. Mm-hmm. So get excited. I, I'm definitely looking forward to checking that one out. Okay, uh, the next trailer that we got is a very uh, interesting trailer. Uh, so this is a uh, a Shutter original, uh, and it's coming out on July 14th on Shutter. And this movie is called Quicksand, and <laughs> it's a very to the point description for this movie. It's about a couple in Colombia, and uh, they get stuck in quicksand, and that is the movie. <laughs> And when you're watching the trailer at first, when it happened, I was like, oh, wow, like, that's it. Like, that's the movie. But it seems like somehow they thought of a lot of crazy ideas and situations to put them in walking around the quicksand. Like, yeah, like a dead body pops up in the quicksand. They Somehow they pull out they pull out a gun from the quicksand. A snake, a a snake, snake. shows up all of a sudden and the snake will be, you know, trying to eat them. Like, it's wild. It gets crazy. And uh you know, it, it reminded me of, uh, you know, like when the movie Open Water came out and the movie was literally the whole <laughs> movie was them just in open water. And then, you know, we've, we've had more movies like that since like, uh, you know, very like closed off movies like mm-hmm. Devil was just an elevator. Oh, yeah. Um, That's a good one. Uh, that was the one I forgot what's called with the with the two girls who were stuck like uh, it was stuck in the bottom oh, of the ocean yeah. the cage with the shark. Yeah, I remember that one. Um, that was a good one, too. <laughs> Dang, I had one more, but I lost it. There was one. There was one more movie I was thinking of. Oh, the movie where the dude was, uh, you know, had his arm stuck in the in the canyon. It was 127 hours. Or oh, I like never that. watched that one. Yeah, I never saw that one either. But <laughs> so this movie gives gives all those kind of vibes. Where there's a oh, you know, what was another good one. Yeah. Um, it was the uh, what was the movie called? I think it was called Buried. Buried. It was with uh, Ryan Reynolds. I, I think yeah, it was Ryan Reynolds called that. Buried. The whole movie was him buried alive in this coffin. And it was actually really good. This movie surprised me. Like, <laughs> you know, you'd think it'd be kind of boring, but they somehow managed to keep it yeah. excited, keep it interesting. Obviously, the acting helped sell it. Um, mm. That was another good one where it's like isolated to, you know, yeah. this instance. But yeah, what what'd you think? Like, what, what were your thoughts watching this trailer, bro? Well, first of all, I was like, how they both get stuck in this quicksand? <laughs> Yep. Because <laughs> I know he's seen her in the trailer. He saw her in this quicksand and he still jumped in there. Well, because it, look, it looked like from what it seemed like she went under and that's when he jumped in. It, uh, okay. <laughs> but did he know it was quicksand? He, well, he's he, like, he had to save her. He had to save my boo. She trapped, she trapped underneath the He should have found another way. Then they both stuck in here. But yeah. anyway... <laughs> I definitely think it's a a very interesting concept. Like you were saying, like they literally just stuck in quicksand the whole movie. The whole movie. But I want to watch it just to see how they're going to get out or if they get out. If they make it, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like the whole, you know, trailer, she's trying to keep, they're trying to keep still because obviously if you move, you go down. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, I just want to watch it to see how they're going to get out of this situation. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, man. Like, uh, yeah, I, I'll watch it just because of that sheer fact of the ridiculous, the ridiculousness of it. Yeah. 
But uh, again, yeah, it's a, this is a Shutter original coming mm-hmm. on July 14th, so be the lookout for that one. Check out that trailer. Uh, let us know what y'all think. Um, the next trailer, the next trailer that we got is called Fear the Night, uh, and I believe this was this a VOD one. It should be because Lord yeah, have so. mercy. <laughs> yeah, so I believe it's a it's a uh, VOD movie coming out July 21st. And actually, re- it didn't say. It didn't, it didn't say. say. Okay. Mm-mm. Well, let me read you the description of this movie. Iraqi war veteran Tess takes matters into her own hands when a group of home invaders attack during her sister's bachelorette party, hell-bent on not leaving any witnesses. And uh, it stars um, Maggie Q, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it does feel a little rough. <laughs> Extremely. It does feel a little rough. The, the acting throughout this trailer feels kind of rough. Like it feels very phoned in. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like people were just cashing the check on this one. Yeah. Uh, the whole premise for this movie to me is, I don't know how that they was like, oh, let's do this. And they was like, yeah, let's green light that. Well, it's got, it's, there's, there's been other movies like this, but for exactly. some reason I can't think of names of one right now where people encounter someone and then they're like oh now they're gonna you know come to their house and try to kill them or whatever um i just think that I this one like this, this isn't movie, well made i feel like we already know how this movie gonna go <laughs> well she gonna kill everybody i mean that's for sure yeah. you know what i'm saying like okay we already know what's gonna happen <laughs> yeah so y'all put this movie basically in the trailer um the character played by maggie q she's at some market and she encounters these three dudes who kind of give her a hard time talking shit to her and then later she's at the bachelorette party and then these masked masked people show up and start attacking them and she kind of like corrals all the all the girls to be like all right we gotta fight back and then they start whooping ass i guess um but even that final there's a final line in the trailer i forgot what she says uh let me let me pull it up real quick because she says something in the delivery of it was just oh yeah she was like i can't do that I'm gonna kill you. I'm just like, <laughs> man, it just, it just doesn't, it, and I don't know. It, it feels phoned in to me personally in the trailer. Maybe it might, it might feel different during the movie, but mm. I'll let you watch that one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I might have to skip that one, but you know, maybe y'all might feel differently. Check out the trailer again. It's called Fear of the Night, uh, coming out July 21st, and maybe you know, y'all might like it. I don't know. Uh. But the last trailer, the last trailer that we got this week, uh, this one here is an interesting one as well, uh, for a movie called Lanier, uh, coming out in limited release theaters on September 9th, and then uh, on the 10th on uh, video, uh, uh, September September 10th on video on demand. Uh, oh wait, I read that wrong. I'm sorry. Let me back up, y'all. I was reading the notes incorrectly. It's coming to, to limited theater release on September 9th and the 10th. And then it's going to be on VOD on September 16th. Um, and then it'll be everywhere digitally in October. Oh, okay. Oh, like, a, like Prime. I'm reading, I'm reading her yeah. notes, y'all, and it kind of threw me off how it was written. But yeah, everywhere else digitally in October. Uh, but let me read y'all the description. Uh, Lanier is inspired by the true events of Oscarville, Georgia, and the story of a detective who's forced to come to a realization of the dark truths hidden at the bottom of Lake Lanier. So, of course, based off the true story being inspired by the stories of all the hauntings and weird things that happen uh, 
with Lake Lanier and the mm-hmm. story of the city city beneath the lake and all the, the horrors that happened with that. Uh, and it kind of seems like they're going to build a story off of that and kind of like a, like a ghost story. Um, I'll let you go first on this one, but what do you think about the trailer? Okay. <clears throat> well, it's a teaser trailer, so it's not a whole lot that you can gather from it, you know, really. It's, um, um, uh, I I want to want to watch this movie, but if I had to go based off the trailer, it doesn't make me want to watch the, the movie. Um, right. it seems a little messy. You can't really decipher like what's you know what, what's really going on. Um, and whoever created this trailer like the music that they use is like it doesn't really go with what you're watching and yeah. so it's a very it weird just, choice yeah there are a lot of electronic you know sounds to it right it isn't it wasn't a very good a well crafted trailer to me and so it, it yeah, was kind of like distracting to me yeah the music was very loud the mix of the trailer mm-hmm. uh, like the music was very overbearing and I don't think there's any pauses in it either. Like normally they kind of lower the music to let yeah, our no. parts go. And I don't think they really did that. Um, and this is, this is another one where I feel like it feels a little rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, concept I think is great. Um, yes, I agree. I think mm-hmm. I'll still give it a chance and check it out. But I think it does feel a little rough. And also uh, I heavily disliked the way they use the font in the trailer like that watery <laughs> really I, well I, I didn't i was like okay that's that's a little much y'all like dial it back <laughs> a little bit um but yeah i mean i have to see more um i, mean, I don't know I can, well i'm it, definitely pulled in by the overall concept of it because like, i understand the story behind it and so i right. want to watch it for that reason but just the trailer itself, since, we, since that's what we're talking about, it wasn't a good trailer. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but, you know, maybe we'll drop another trailer. If not, mm-hmm. you know, it'll... Well, hopefully so, because this was just a teaser, so... Yeah, come September, we'll, we'll definitely find out for sure how, yeah. good, how good or not this movie is. But, again, the movie's called Lanier. Check out that trailer and let us know what y'all think about that one. Because, uh, again, this, the story is based off of is very interesting, and the concept's mm-hmm. great, but... We'll, we'll see how the, ex- the execution is. Yeah. But that wraps up our trailer portion of the podcast. Now we'll jump into a little bit of news from this week, some interesting stories. With the first one being that uh, Insidious the Red Door has been confirmed to have a PG-13 rating. Not really mm-hmm. a big surprise here because uh, all the other Insidious movies are also PG-13, but you never know. Right. Sometimes they might want to switch it up and go go hard as hell on the, on the, final, on the final chapter. Um. But yeah, uh, all in all, just an interesting, you know, interesting uh, mm-hmm. article here just to get that confirmation. And then also, you know, it's, they mentioned what it's rated for, rated uh, PG-13 for violence, terror, frightening images, strong language, and suggestive references. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we'll get that ugly demon face that uh, we've all come to love. <laughs> and it should be interesting. Yep. I'm definitely looking forward to this movie. So, yeah, I'm excited. We don't got too much longer either. Just a couple nope. weeks. July 7th, y'all. Look, at that's exciting. Yep. I will say, so we got this article from Joe Blow, and there's a part in that article that I didn't know that made me feel a little, a little weird. And uh, the part it, it says here, 
The screenplay was written by Halloween Kills co-writer Scott oh, Teams. Lord. <laughs> now, it was based off an idea from Leigh Wannell, who created the franchise with, jo- with James Wan. Um, and we all know how rough <laughs> Halloween Kills is. So, uh, uh, that made me a little concerned, because that movie is... <laughs> that movie is rough, y'all. That... That movie is rough. So I think this is gonna be good, baby. Don't worry about it. I hope so. Don't let it stress you too much. I hope it's good. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I just I just want to point that out because I know when I, when I read that I was like, oh man, <laughs> not Halloween Kills. Yep. Um, uh, but yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm still excited. I think the trailer does look great. Um. And since it's, a, since it's an existing storyline, they're just kind of taking it back. I feel like even having done a movie like Halloween Kills, they got enough of, of groundwork to do some good stuff. Just please don't do anything dumb. Um, but on to the next story, y'all. Uh, got some great news here for The Blackening. So, you know, uh, The Blackening opened over the Juneteenth weekend and it's reported to have made $7 million over that, that opening weekend. And, uh, a cool thing about that is uh, that the budget for the film was $5 million. So more than likely on the, this coming up weekend, any money they make at this point, well, more than likely, mm-hmm. depending on how big that marketing uh, cost was, uh, will start earning a profit. So that was just great news. Uh, I'm glad that the movie you know, did pretty decent for that, uh, for that holiday yeah. weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I, I watched it and I, you know, I reviewed it on the last podcast. I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic. I thought the movie was really good. Uh, great writing, funny. I wish it was a, it's a little bit more like, you know, bump up the horror, the horror a little bit, but all in all, it's, the movie's a good time. Um, mm-hmm. So I was happy to see that um, that it's already going to be turning a profit here pretty soon. And what, that's pretty standard for horror movies. Horror movies typically have typically yeah. have a lower budget and uh, yeah. they can turn profits real quick. And if you got a good one, you can make a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen that time and time, and time again with uh, some of these horror films. Um, but yeah, that was that was a exciting piece of news there. Uh, moving on to our next story. Now, this here is a very uh, in- interesting article that, that uh, we definitely wanted to bring up on the podcast. Uh, so this article comes from Variety. And uh, I'll just read you the title of the article here. It reads, Christopher Nolan says, some Oppenheimer viewers walk out devastated and they can't speak. And uh, Christopher Nolan was, was quoted as saying, it's kind of a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And the article is just a kind of interesting read because I, you know, I hadn't really thought about it that way. Uh, but I mean, when you think about the, the, the movie is basically about uh, Oppenheimer, the person that created the atomic bomb mm-hmm. and kind of the devastation that that caused, you know, in the world. When you think about that, it is like a, a horror element to it, especially when you consider, you know, how things are in today's times uh, at certain points, uh, yeah. a lot of hostility, a lot of testing nuclear weapons and all those type of things it does give you a big sense of terror when mm-hmm. you think about history and how it, it tends to repeat itself and whatnot so um you know christopher nolan movies christopher nolan's movies are always incredible and the article just kind of really dove into like how much he talked about how emotional the movie is and how it asks some very tough questions a lot of ethical dilemmas mm-hmm. um and just the idea that people are walking out just like you know speechless and just kind of 
yeah. emotionally devastated. It, 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 you know, it's making me feel like this, this movie going to be a lot to take in. Yeah, that's um, what I was thinking too. Yeah. And he mentioned that, you know, it's, it's an intense story. It's an intense experience. Um, and it's got me excited. I mean, I was already excited to see this movie, but the, the idea of framing it in this horror aspect, mm-hmm. like it's a very real horror that happened in our history. Yeah. Um, it's kind of crazy to think about. Uh, did you want to add to that anything, baby? Like what, no, what you thought when you, you read it? You hit all of the same points that I was thinking when I read it as well. But um, from what I have heard about this movie, though, uh, people are actually having those reactions. So um, I don't think any of those points were like, you know, people being exaggerated. So I'm yeah. interested in seeing it and experiencing it for myself to kind of see how I feel about it. But I feel like Christopher Nolan, he he knows how to make a movie. I, I don't know how his brain works, but I'm pretty sure um, um, everything that, you know, they talk about in the, in the article will come across, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's a master. You know, yeah. um, he's definitely in that master tier when it comes to filmmaking. So, yeah, yeah I agree 100 percent. Um, some other some other notes uh, that the article mentioned was uh, the cast of the movie, too. So, I mean, the, mm. the, this cast is pretty stacked. So, of course, you got yeah. uh, uh, Cillian Murphy playing, you know, Oppenheimer. But you also have starring in here Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey mm-hmm. Jr., Florence Pugh, and then a bunch of other people, because like it says and more. Uh, yeah. But that's super exciting. And the article also mentioned, I didn't know this. That it's Nolan's first R-rated R-rated release since 2002's Insomnia. And I was like, oh, mm. so this movie's about to be real. Yeah, it's gonna be. I have a strong suspicion that it's going to showcase like the aftermath of dropping the atomic bomb and kind of in a very visceral way. Mm. Uh, I I didn't look up the rating and what it's rated R for, but I kind of feel like that that's gonna be a part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially that considering sense, how much he likes effects and things yeah so that would, yeah that would be crazy uh but yeah y'all uh oppenheimer opens in theaters uh nationwide on july 21st uh so get ready for that because it sounds crazy uh and the last the last piece of news that we got here is another exciting piece of news this time for uh netflix's stranger things so we got a new casting announcement for season five uh and they announced uh I didn't even know this, but uh, Netflix had their Tadum event. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> um, but that's cool. Ta-dum. Ta-dum. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. That sound is, you know, you, you hear that sound out of, out of context, you know exactly what it is. Like, <laughs> that's Netflix, my eternal Netflix. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Arnold Schwarzenegger took to the stage during this, uh, during this event uh, to showcase a video where Linda Hamilton announced that she's coming to Stranger Things Season 5. That is super hype. Uh, of course, you know, we've, we've, uh, Stranger Things features a lot of, uh, you know, 80s stars uh, mm-hmm. throughout all the different seasons. So it's really cool to bring Linda, Ham- Linda, Linda Hamilton on uh, and really bring that uh, 80s action star vibe to the show. No idea. Mm-hmm. I don't think they announced at all, like, who she's playing, what kind of role she'll be playing. Like, if it's going to no. be like a kick ass role or just, you know, tearing shit up. Uh, but that would be cool. You know, um, I forget, for those of you who don't know, I know her best from uh, Terminator 2. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure, you know, people can think of other movies, but um, that's what I know her from. And they also had the Terminator announcing this. And the. Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger was announcing it. 100%. <laughs> yep. um, 
but yeah, you know, playing this, playing the classic Sarah Connor, man, like that's cool. That has Sarah Connor and uh, and Stranger Things, and I'm I would not be surprised if she's gonna be fulfilling some sort of role like that where she can, you know, really bring in bring on that that action star energy and really be a badass. So mm. uh, I'm all about it. Anything else you want to add to this, man? Nope, that's it. Yeah, so get excited, y'all. Stranger Things season five. It, uh, have they announced? I didn't see no dates. Okay, I don't think so. Mm-mm. But I'm excited because season four was crazy. Season four was amazing. Was I didn't even know they was going to have another season. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you didn't finish season four, did you? No, I haven't. <laughs> yeah, that man, season four is amazing. That's some of the best TV ever. <laughs> um, So season, season five is going to be hype, y'all. Uh, but with that, that's our last piece of news. So the next segment we're going to get into here, um, a, a big topic of discussion, especially given uh, Juneteenth. So we want to do a topic in honor of Juneteenth this week, going over uh, black horror movies and doing a, you know, a small brief history uh, about uh, you know, our role in horror movies uh, throughout, throughout the years. And then we'll get into some of our favorite horror movies that you know, feature a mostly black, black cast or just a, a black lead. Uh, but I'm actually gonna hand it over to you, baby, to you know walk us through uh, some of the details about um, you know black people and horror movies. Okay, yeah. So I thought that this topic was important for us to do a little deep dive into because of Juneteenth and allow us to kind of like give honor to black filmmakers, directors, screenwriters, actors, authors, everyone who you know gets, takes part in the uh, horror genre who are black yep and um also the black men and women who are behind some of the horror's greatest monsters who faces we never got to see like is it alien wasn't yeah yeah alien alien. Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. it was a black man that was under the costume like you know people like that just want to give honor to them but um i did do some research and wanted to share what i found out I actually finished, I mentioned this on either the second or third episode of the podcast where I talked about how I was reading um, this book about black horror cinema and I finally finished it. And a lot of that information kind of, I kind of relieved in what I'm about to tell you. Mm-hmm. But um, I was trying to figure out what the, bl- the first black horror film was. And actually, this was actually very hard to find. find. But I was also able to find a clip of it. And so the very first black horror film that had a black cast and was created by a black man was called Son of Ngagi. And it was very interesting. So it's basically about this. It's funny because we've mentioned this twice already on this podcast, but there was this woman who died and left her house to (laughs) these family members. Mm And they didn't know, but in their house, in her house, she had like this black ape man down in the basement and he was killing people. Anyways, this was made in 1940 and it was based off of a short story also called um, Sang of Ngagi. But yeah, it was very interesting. But um, historically, you know, we know this black characters were basically added in films to to die um the very first black guy to die first in a film his name was manton Mortland, 
And that movie was called Spider Baby in 1964. So basically, according to what I've researched, um, before that, um, there, obviously there were black people in film, but not in horror. And there wasn't much violence in movies just because of like the way cinema stuff worked back then. They, you know, they didn't let you have like sex on film or bloody stuff or whatever. Mm -hmm. So when they finally started loosening up those laws and being people being able to create these type of movies, they needed people to do that on. And so they used black people to do it. <laughs> of course, you of know, course. it's crazy. <laughs> of course. Right. Um, so yeah, he was literally in the film for like a few minutes. And he's a this person, he was Matt Minton Moreland. He was a well-known, like comedic actor. And um he played in roles before, but this was his first horror movie that he was in, and it was like he was just in there so they could kill him. So that's kind of like the beginning of where we got the the black guy dies first. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And um, we recently talked about this film too. You know, we got a film called Night of the Living Dead in 1968. Yep. Where we see Dwayne Jones and his black glory not only make it to the end of the movie, but, you know, he didn't die first, but he was like a hero character in the film. And, you know, he did still die, but in a very ironic way at that. Very <laughs> ironic. And it's it so, you know, poetic for even still today's time you know yes exactly very much so um but that film was actually successful like among the black demographic and because of that studios basically was like oh we need to cash in on this like because before that you they had films for like black people have films obviously but they didn't people weren't like big studios weren't creating films for black people to watch like if you watched it is because you watched it not because they made it for you to watch um and so because of that film we kind of they started you know creating these more films where black people were on screen and this period of time became known as the blackening and that wasn't just within the horror genre but all all genres so you know you, you we talked about Sidney Poitier not too long ago but Yep. This was like his error. And it was because of that, that success of that movie. Um, we got a lot of movies in the 70s and the 80s, starting in the horror genre, like Blackula, which I haven't seen a lot of these movies, y'all, but um, yeah, me, I'm going to make it my music. So. <laughs> yeah, we're going to make it a point to watch a lot of these. Though, yes, we are. Um, Blackula, Sugar Hill, Dr. Black, Mr. Hyde, Ganjin Hess. We, we were trying to watch that <laughs> We're going to get there one day. Yep. Um, and then not only were they making films with just black people in them, but other larger films, you know, had more black representation like Alien, um, Exorcist 2, Chosen Survivors. And it only increased after that. So as you go into the 80s, we still we were on film, but we were still dying. <laughs> and the one thing I mentioned here was The Shining because, you know, he he didn't even die in this book. He made it all the he was like the hero, actually. Um what's his name, babe? 
What? The black guy who was t- trying to help the little boy learn what the shining is. I can't remember his name for some oh, reason. Oh man, what was his name? Well, anyways, his character in the book The Shining. Just keep going. I'm gonna look it up. Okay, yeah, his character in the book The Shining actually was the hero. Like he saved Winnie and the little boy. Like, but in the movie they killed him. Like, so yeah, his name was uh, Dick Holleran in the movie. The yeah, Dick. Is, That's uh, right. It's a uh, Scatman Crothers. Right, yeah, Dick. So even though we were in movies, we were still not making it. <laughs> yep. So yeah. Um and oh, and I had a we I had talked to you about this not too long ago, but you know how people were like, oh, they don't like woke horror, but woke horror became a thing as well, like in the nineties mostly. Um we had the people under the stairs, which was created by Wes Craven. And that was actually based on true events where a police where police responded to like a break in in a house and like this really nice neighborhood that they suspected black men were breaking in. But they found out that the owners actually had their kids in the basement held captive for years. Yep. Um, and um, Candyman, which is basically a metaphor for the ghost of racism. Tales from the Hood, which it was a um, which discusses like big topics like racism, but also other things like abuse, crime amongst the black community as well. So you have we have films that talk about all these large social issues, right? Um, even present time, like The First Purge, Get Out, Us, that express black issues through horror. Um, and I, I told you to this earlier today where I was listening to somebody talk about how they don't like stuff, horror movies that have like an agenda, basically. That's how it right. was put, you know what I'm saying? But these are our real life horrors and it's a way for us to express those horrors through film. And these are very important issues, that I think we can use in a way that people can understand it because mm-hmm. it is like some of the things that we experience are, are actual horrific things. Yeah. And I think also too, when you think about, you know, black people generally, and I don't know if y'all can hear, we got a, I got a motorcycle uh, outside the window here. Uh, but when you think about black people, black people in general throughout history, just not really having a voice. So being able to have that voice through cinema, through film, you know, it's just a way to kind of permanently and kind of like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like a having a voice that can, you know, permeate forever and mm-hmm. showcase the horrors, you know, because people, people watch movies and you know, people love watching movies. So being able to watch a film and then you know, mo- movies allow you to look at things from the perspective of the main character. So being able to have that voice put people in the shoes of the character and maybe, you know, be a little thought provoking and kind of present to them like, Hey, like imagine if that was you and, uh, or imagine the situation, like when you're looking at it and looking at the behind the scenes effects and all that stuff, uh, giving people proper scope and just having that, having that voice and be able to, you know, send that message and get people to open their minds and open their thoughts and open their heart. Like, it's deep, you know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. you know, it's important. Now, you know, obviously like sometimes you might just want a movie that doesn't have anything. Sure. Okay. Um, but, you know, of course you can't, 
um, you can't ignore the movies that mm-hmm. do have the messaging because that you know they're still important in and of themselves. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um. But yeah. So, and it's not all serious. We got horror comedies too. Um. Some of the ones that I've seen are Vampire in Brooklyn. Scary movies. I've seen some of the scary movies. I haven't seen all of them. Mm-hmm. Have you seen all of them? Yeah, I've seen. I've seen. I figured you had. All of them. Yep. <laughs> I'm a big fan of at least the first three. Yeah. Um, the Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy. That's the best one so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Medea made some Halloween movies. She had two movies actually. Crazy. Yep. And of course, the Blackening, which we were just talking about. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more, but those are just the ones that I've seen. Um, but yeah, so overall, you know, Black Horror has definitely transformed the way that we as Black people can see ourselves in this particular genre. And I would love to see more Black Horror movies because, you know, we were talking about... Um, I'm kind of like trying to figure out what our favorite ones were and we're like oh it's not that many black horror movies so I definitely want to see more in the future but um let's talk about our favorite or top three horror movies I'll let you go first babe yeah so with this um I kind of took the approach of horror movies or horror themed movies that have that are either you know black focused or have black leads because there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, movies from the past that I just haven't seen. Like all the ones we mentioned earlier, I just haven't seen them. I'm, I am going to make it a point to watch them. So my list will, will be slightly different. But uh, for my top three, of course, the first one I picked was Get Out. Uh, I think that movie was uh, super powerful. Uh, and it's also just really well made, really good. Um, but how they told that, that story uh, and had a social commentary but packaged it in such a well thought out movie it's, it's kind of it's wild like jordan pill was like a master uh, with that movie and I, I very much think that it's a situation like like m night Shyamalan in the sixth sense how mm-hmm. like, you can never live up to that first movie uh, yeah. like jordan pill kind of is in that pocket right now but i get out is, is incredible um and you know and it focused you know greatly on um black culture and like what we deal with and and yeah i know you, you have it on your list too so I'm, i'll allow you to dig into it more but um that's probably the, the first on my list the next one actually is uh is blade uh blade was a big one for me because i really liked blade as a kid mm-hmm. uh, and having wesley wesley snipes as the lead in a marvel <laughs> this is a marvel movie because it's it's a marvel character um and then just being like dope as fuck like it was powerful man it was cool like you know you know black kids and i'm sure black adults too had a character they could be you know like i'm, I'm gonna be like him you know what i'm saying like yeah. martial artists have vampire like dude was was bad man like <laughs> even even to this day like his swag and his demeanor like mm-hmm. everything about the movie was so fire uh and i, I think that w- that was huge and uh definitely like the for me at least like really put comic book movies on the map and i love yeah. i love that first blade to this day like that club brave scene with the vampires and the blood and the music oh yeah that was a good scene you fire um but what snipes killed that role and my third one i think was, this is kind of shock a lot of people 
but I put uh, I put Alien vs. Predator on here because Alien vs. Predator has a lot of horror vibes. You know, it kind of turns into an action movie at times, especially towards the end. But it still has those horror vibes within there. And of course, Sonia Lathan, you know, she plays the lead character. And not only that, you know, she's a badass female, black female, black woman, making it all the way to the end and teaming up with the Predator and whooping ass. <laughs> you can't beat that. That's crazy. Great explanation, babe. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's, that's wild, you know, to be able to, you know, be a black woman and be the be the lead in you know this is a horror movie at the end of the day is alien versus predator you know what i'm saying yeah um and make it all the way to the end and be a badass team up with the predator to take on the alien queen like <laughs> that's fire um and I, I and i think like you know it's one of those situations where uh what well, it, it kind of like knocks down a couple of different things like having a you know a, a strong uh female lead and like a you know kind of like a badassery role on top of being being black and making it to the end of a horror movie where pretty much everybody got taken out of that bitch. <laughs> yeah, they um, did. yeah, I mean, they, they'd get towed out of the box. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that's awesome, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, I think of stuff like that, that, you know, when my daughter gets older, like, she's going to be looking up to stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, she'll have people in, in these movies that look like her and to, you know, inspire her and then, you know what I'm saying? Like, just have something fun that she can uh feel you know have some relation to so yeah uh that's kind of like my top three like it's kind of you know it's a, it's a wide range there and, and two of them are more so yeah having like the black leads but you know i feel like those are very powerful things that stick in my that stick in my mind like especially blade and alien versus predator like those movies i watched when i was a was young like as a child you know blade more so a child but alien vs predator i think i might have been like in maybe in the teenage years i can't remember but um uh you know, they're impactful, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And, and I remember them to, to, to this day and there's still movies that I love. So, uh, that's just, that's my top three, get out, blade, and any predator. And I'm sure this, that, you know, that, and when I say top three, it's not like, you know, like there's any rank or order to them. Like, like I'm not, you know, this isn't like a top three in the sense of, you know, everything else outside of the top three isn't as good or anything like that. It's just, these are movies that came to my mind. Obviously, I would add more to this or change it up as I see more films that, you know, are have a, you know, a, a larger story with, you know, black people's involvement in filmmaking, especially these mm -hmm. older films I just haven't seen yet. But, you know, I, I just wanted to give some interesting thoughts and, and, and ideas with this one. But I'm going to pass over to you, to you, Beta, give your, uh, your top three. All right, then. Yeah. So my top three. All right, I've said this a hundred thousand times. Tales from the Hood this is my number one, <laughs> and I rewatched it today just to see how well it still hold up, and it does. Like I'll put like this: the stories still hold up very well. Um, and then I, as I was watching this, I was like, I know my mama didn't let me watch this movie because <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, I had some of the stuff in there I just forgot how extreme it was right. and i'm surprised she let me watch this movie but this movie is it's an anthology right so it has four stories and it's there's various topics that they kind of like um convey through these horror scenes and um 
I think for me, this, why well, I know for sure this was the very first like horror movie I've ever watched. So it's always going to be like a favorite of mine because of that nostalgia and it's kind of what introduced me to horror. And, um, like some of the characters are recognizable and like the actors and stuff like that. Like I had seen them and other stuff before that. And I don't know, it's just a very interesting movie for me as a black person, just some of the stories that they talk, they tell. And so, um, I think this movie is always going to be like a special movie in my heart. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, but yeah, uh, when I was watching it back today, I was te- I texted you because he's at work. I was like, "Ooh, this is some rough scenes in here." Yeah, you did mention that it was hard to watch. <laughs> yes, indeed, but um, very good messaging overall. And um, I did watch like a behind the scenes with like the the creators of it, and um, they definitely were set out to spread a message, a particular message. And I think they did a very good job of doing that. Um, but yeah, that's Tales from the Hood. And then um, Candyman is on my list. And I picked Candyman because this movie genuinely scared me when I watched it. Like, mm-hmm. it's a scary movie. Like, Tony Todd is scary. And it's funny because, and I think I mentioned this too, when I was reading about Candyman, he was literally in the movie for like three minutes. Yep. <laughs> but you still scared of him. Like, that movie built up so much fear, and the dude wasn't even in there that long. I thought that was just insane. Like, they did a good job of making that movie because <laughs> it was scary. Um, And then I picked Get Out as well. And I think this for me, because um, there's like a, a gap of time where, you know, we didn't have Black Horror, right? And then we got Get Out. Yep. And the way it told the story was just so fascinating. Like Jordan Peele killed Get Out, man. Like it, he just did. And kind of like you were saying, like he hasn't really like followed up with uh, anything else that's been as good as that's it. Probably, as yeah. This, yeah. yeah. Um, I liked us, but I don't know. I think because it of us, I don't know. I don't know. But either way, Get Out was still my favorite out of the ones he's done so far. Um, I really loved like the the performances in that movie. I the I liked the writing in that movie. Like everything was just it's a to me Get Out was like a perfect movie. It was really good. Um, but yeah, so those are my top three black horror movies. Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great list, babe. Again, um some really pivotal and good um horror movies that and I feel like with yours, all of them have really good messaging and commentary. <laughs> yeah, um, they do not about <laughs> black culture, black experience. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, that's those those are really good picks. I, I would I would include those on my top three as well. Yeah. Um, but if I had to pick like if I had to pick a, a individual person or an individual like like okay for example this movie to me isn't like a black horror movie at all but um it had 
black influences on it in it and so that's why i didn't put it on my list but i really like skeleton key because that movie was scary but it had a mm-hmm. lot of like black influences and you know with the voodoo um, and all that stuff yeah right, right exactly so if i really like that movie that's kind of like outside of the well kind of it kind of got some messages in there yeah. too it kind of was yep <laughs> that is a good never movie. mind i can't redeem myself then i guess i just like a certain st- type of black horror movie yeah that's the skeleton key is a good one i think it's definitely like a like a movie that people forget about um but it is a good one though yeah Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. But yeah, y'all, that, that completes our little section, you know, diving into um, you know, black like involvement as far as like black filmmakers, directors, screenwriters, actors, authors, you know, all the black men and women who have helped, you know, create or been involved with uh horror movies uh throughout, you know, cinema's long history. This is all in honor of June. Uh, this is all in honor of Juneteenth. Uh, but let us know what you know. What are some of your favorite um, black horror movies? And they don't have to be, you know, centered around you know uh, the black experience of black culture. They can just have be you know maybe a black lead or a black character. But um, yeah, let us know in the comments like uh, what what y'all think, and we'd love to have that dis- that discussion, that conversation, and dive into it a little bit more. Uh, in honor of Juneteenth. But with that, that completes uh, that section. And now we'll move on to the final part of uh, today's podcast, where we'll be given our um, review and having a discussion about the latest from episode, which is episode nine, called Ball of Magic Fire. And as a reminder, this section will have spoilers because we're literally walking through the episode and giving our thoughts on all the big details on this one. So if you haven't seen the episode yet, make sure you go and watch that. Put us on pause, go watch, come back and join us uh, for that conversation because this will definitely be a little, a little bit more of an interesting one because uh, a lot more has happened as we go into the season finale uh, for From. So going once, going twice. Spoiler warning. And with that, we'll roll right into uh, our review. So right off the bat, uh, I will say that this was definitely one of the better episodes. I definitely think it's one of a, a little too late um, you know, type of situation. Um, but it was definitely a lot better, a lot more fast paced, a lot more going on. I just wish that we were getting this kind of stuff at the beginning of the season. Um, but, uh, what, what do you think? Just like real quick, Bay, like what, what were your thoughts, uh, for this one? Overall thoughts. It was a better episode. Um, we, I don't know. I, I want to say like we didn't really learn anything new, really. It's kind of just like adding on to what we kind of already know. Um, but it was a lot more action than we've been getting. So yep. I guess for that, I'll say it was a much better episode. What about you, Bill? Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. Um, so yeah, we'll go ahead and walk through this episode and, uh, and talk about it. So mm-hmm. in the beginning, you know, from the last episode, you know, we had the cliffhanger where the dude ran out of, ran out of the house all bloodied. So we get to see what happened. And so we had uh, Boyd and Kenny going into that house where they see the character Paula laying in bed and absolutely just mutilated, obliterated, destroyed as if a monster had gotten to her. And uh, they ask uh, the dude that was in the house with her, you know, what happened? 
and he said that she was talking in her sleep and her body cracked and you know she just got destroyed uh and boyd asked you know if she was saying anything and of course she was saying that uh that nursery rhyme that we've uh been hearing about these last couple episodes uh and uh the character's name was uh was reggie and uh and he was saying you know nothing what got in the house like nothing touched her from outside it seems like this all happened within her dream uh and you know this this kind of goes back from the last episode where you know we were learning that uh you know shit that happens in the dream was carrying into the real wor- world and this is the first person that we got where they were literally killed in the dream and killed in real life um and so after they after that discovery they step back outside uh and see a bunch of people gathered uh around the house and boyd sends uh because uh ethan and, and julie were outside and boyd sends ethan home and gets julie to help warn everybody to you know not be by themselves not go to sleep because apparently like things had happened in their dreams now uh, and she mentions to uh, Julie mentions to Boyd that Jim was at the RV because, of course, last episode, uh, he stopped by the diner letting Julie know, hey, I'm going to the RV. So she let Boyd know and Boyd was just kind of like, what the fuck? You know, uh, and uh, that concluded that scene right there. Um, so already, like the start of this episode was really good. Uh, like the the energy of it definitely had like more of that that season one energy was actual horrors you know what i'm saying but yeah for sure yeah. i agree with that mm-hmm. yep so so moving on we, like we, what the heck going on right <clears throat> yeah actually some some crazy shit happening uh so moving on we jump to the rv we got t- donna tied up to the tree and you know randall's going on he says uh you know he's got a new plan because jim was just like what the fuck are you doing uh and he you know randall mentions that he saw donna at the clinic and and he was saying something like, oh, like, uh, I saw you taking the monster's body. Like, what are the animatronics? Like, you know, he's just trying to come up with any stupid scenario in his head to, like, fit his narrative that he's got. Um, you know, and then Donna mentions, you know, hey, Boyd killed one of these things. You know, Randall's not believing it. Uh, and, you know, Jim's just like, oh, man. Like, Jim's just realizing, realizing that he fucked up. Um, and then, you know, Randall was, was kind of talking about you know, hey, this is your plan. This is what you want to do. And Jim's like, nah, like, I never wanted to take it this far. Like, this is not what I had in mind. Uh, you know, he's he was going to just take the light approach, but Randall, he flew way off the deep end. Uh, and we have Jim, like, to actually try to, like, help Donna. And, you know, Randall kind of, like, you know, pushes pushes him back, pulls a knife on him. And then we get a, a boy pulling up. Our boy, boy, saving the day on this one. He comes up. Uh, you know, shoots around off in the air and he points it at, uh, points a gun at Randall, like drop the fucking knife. Um, and, uh, you know, Boyd's like, Hey, we're going to all get in this van and go back. And, you know, Randall, of course, being the asshole that he is, he's like, Oh, these keys, these keys. And he just chucks them uh, into the woods, of course. Um, cause he's an idiot. Uh, and that pretty much, uh, concludes that scene. And so then we we jump to Victor, Jay, Julian, Ethan, and Tabby um, at the Lou's house, and you know Ethan's like really upset. Uh, you know he's he's scared that his dad is gonna be hurt out at the RV, and he's he's like kind of going ham. Hey, he's in savage mode, saying a lot of like reckless stuff to 
to Victor, you know, saying, oh, is your mom have a choice to die and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, I guess that, it was a crazy scene. That didn't happen scene. right there, but it's all good. Lisa? <laughs> that didn't happen right there. Oh, that wasn't right there? No. Oh, what happened right there? They were just kind of like talking. It wasn't anything important there. They, he don't act like that until later on. Oh, it's not until later? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, save that for later, y'all. <laughs> I don't know why you put that part right there and then there ain't nothing going on. Uh, I'm reading off her notes, y'all. And, I won't uh, do that next time. Yeah, that's all she put up there was that they, that they were at the house. Because that's I'm all they were doing. Scene. They were just gathering in the house. That's all. She was right down the main bits. There was. <laughs> <laughs> I did that once before, and then you were like, "Wait, did you skip something?" So uh, now I start. I'm gonna do yeah. that no more. Okay. <laughs> all right. So we jump to uh, Kenny, and he's with Sarah at the at, um, you know the sheriff's office, and Sarah kind of shares about you know, what happened when they were out in the forest and that she was thinking that, you know, when people die, that their fears become part of the forest. Cause she mentioned that Nathan was afraid of cicadas and now we got a bunch of cicadas everywhere. Um, so kind of an interesting concept there. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that later on. Uh, and then we jump to, uh, the colony house where Reggie's looking for Donna and he's telling everybody, like, uh, what happened to Paula and that nobody can go to sleep. Uh, and he's, like, really, you know, freaking out about that. Um, uh, and so that, I think that was all for that, at least that particular part, right? It's mm-hmm. just, yep. And so then that concludes that a little bit. And then we jump to back to the RV and we get. Yeah. What's that? You know who was in there. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know, we got the the four people there: Boyd, Randall, Donna, and Jim. Um, You know, they're basically coming with a plan to stay the night. They're getting the RV, setting everything up, talisman, and all that. And you know, Boyd's mission to them not to go to sleep. And of course, Randall, you know, doesn't believe anything that he's saying. He's being an asshole. And uh, Boyd ends up uh, uh, cuff, you know, cuffing him because him and Jim are are getting into it. Um, and you know, Boyd is pretty much over Randall, like. You know, he basically like, yeah, you put in the notes too, baby. Like we kind of like jacked him up and was like, basically like, dude, I'm about to, I'm going to throw your ass outside type shit. Cause I'm about sick of you. Uh, it was, it was just a great scene. It was cool to see Randall be put in his place finally. Like, yeah, yeah that was, that was, I really liked that part. Um, he needed to be put in his place. Yeah. He's been needing that shit for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then we jump to. Um, where uh, Christy takes Mari to a room so they can be alone, you know, because she's still fighting her withdrawals and she's been going through it. Um, uh, and Ellis is uh, telling Christy about his fears regarding uh, Fatima's pregnancy, um, and it's it's kind of one of those one of those character drama scenes, you know, a bunch of talking. They got to pad the show out a little bit. Mm. Um, and and um. Uh, and she's, is this the part where she's talking about like how pregnancy is just weird or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. It's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. That's just some, just some like basic conversations and really nothing crazy happened there. Uh, and then we get, uh, then we jump to uh, Tabby and Jade and they're going through the the pictures um, that Eloise had drew and that, you know, we had got from the, the trunk of Victor's mom's car. And she was explaining how she had this vision about the children uh well she you know she had the vision about the children in the forest and then she's telling them uh that she also had a vision with the tower at one point 
Um, and she's kind of thinking in her head, like combining those two visions, like maybe this whole situation about, you know, how Victor's mom was like, hey, we got to go save the kids in the tower. Like maybe that's real based off of her visions. And maybe that's what they actually actually have to do. Uh, so, they're, so they're really just exploring that idea. Um, and then um, uh, we get uh, Victor, Julie and Ethan and Miss Lou, like uh, about to play a board game. And then this is the part where Ethan, you know, is having his little savage moments. He's all upset because his dad's out there. He doesn't know what's going to happen to him. He's scared. Um, and she, and Julie tries to pull that thing where, uh, you know, she tries to use a crown monocle and Ethan's like, nah, fuck that. It's not even real. Like he's in full savage mode right now. Yeah, um, he is. He's just scared. You know, his dad's out there. He don't want to lose his yeah. dad. Right. Uh, uh, even Victor was like, oh, it's okay. Like, you know, even he got it. He's just upset because, I mean, Victor lost his parents. So he gets the, the fear. Yeah. Right, exactly. And now I wanted to talk about this tower thing because I thought about this last episode when she brought it up. But the you said that the tower is the lighthouse. That's what you said. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the drawing, it looks like the lighthouse to me. It, it does look like a lighthouse. Now, the lighthouse is in the forest. Yep. Right. So at some point in time, you know, these people weren't just in the town. They had to been out in the forest to to know or to have been in the tower into yeah. the lighthouse or like, there's having visions like everybody else and they could have been having visions i guess yeah. so you might you're you and if that's what you're going with then victor's mom would have been like tabitha yep i don't know it's, i guess for me some in some ways you know say it again History, history just could be repeating itself in some ways. It's possible. Okay. Yep. You look at it like that, I guess. Mm-hmm. All right. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, on the next scene, we're back at the RV. And we got Boyd uh, lacing the bullets with the bile. And, um, uh, you know, Randall's asking, does he want to go out there after, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I read that wrong. So this part, uh, you know, Donna mentions. Like, oh, you know, Randall should go out there with the, with the gun since he wants to shoot shit so bad. Yeah. And, and Boyd's kind of asking him, like, does he want to do it? And obviously, you know, uh, I think actually it seemed like Randall was going to do it. Uh, yeah, eventually. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. He hesitated he, a little bit. but He did hesitate a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But then I mean, he was like, all right. And he's like, you got to take the cuffs off me. And he was yeah. about to when the, the creatures pulled the creatures up. Creatures started coming out. Yeah. Yeah. So the creatures pulled up and then they just stopped before getting all the way to the RV. And, you know, everyone, you know, Donna's confused. Everyone's confused. Like, oh, they never done no shit like this. They always come all the way up to the window asking to get in. But now they stopped a good distance from the RV and just stared at it, smiling like usual. Um, and all of a sudden the music, the music box starts playing through the radio. Uh, and then it kind of, the scene for that just kind of stops there. And then we jump back to, you know, Mari saying that she's seeing something in the room. You know, she is still going through her withdrawals and, you know, she's getting real bad. She's hallucinating shit, all types of stuff. Uh, Chrissy trying to calm her down, but Mari says like it, you know it's her fault. Well, Mari kind of tells Chrissy like, "Oh, it's your fault. I, I relapsed because you just disappeared." You know, she's blaming her for it. Um, and then she starts like trashing the room. This is another dumb part. I was kind of like, ah, oh, like I don't really care about this part. You know. Well, this part was important because of the belts uh, bolting her to the bed. Because yeah. I feel like if she wasn't built to the bed, then she might would have been able to just run out the house or I don't know. But anyways, yeah, I guess this stupid. part is. The point of this was her getting tied to the bed. <laughs> yep. 
So she gets locked down because uh, yeah. she's about to, she almost went outside at one point. Yeah, she was turning all stuff off the windows and everything. And she's going ham. I was kind of like, oh, man, like <laughs> I get it, but I'm just kind of like, I don't. I mean, we you ought to play this withdrawal thing to death. You know okay, I was just about to say that. I was like, how long yeah. do people go through withdrawals? I mean, I'm sure it's a while, but I mean, I, I, I think it's more like they just keep for, focusing on it so much. It is, I but mean, we, we also, got so many scenes with that. So many scenes. That's exactly what I was say. It's like every time, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we don't have to keep going back to her. We know nah, she is withdrawal. But I, I assume that the focus on is on her. Because she's, you know, she's playing this now important part. Right. Yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, but moving on, we, we jump back to the station with Sarah and Kenny. And uh, you could cut the tension there with a knife because it's thick as fuck there. And, uh, you know, Sarah's trying like really hard to apologize to Kenny. Like she's she trying so hard to apologize to this dude, you know, and Kenny just blowing her off. Uh, and eventually, like he goes ham on her. He's just like, shut the fuck up. I was like, damn. He said that part. And he like flips that chair. I feel like uh, this episode has so many F words. They don't make no sense. It was like oh, yeah. everybody was telling Donna said it like 10 times at one yes. part. Because everybody that everybody's up there. You know, everybody's like, fuck you. Like, fuck crap. you. Yep. <laughs> um, and, you know, you know, Kenny's like, oh, you ain't the only one who, you know, lost shit. Like I did too. And, you know, uh, Sarah mentions like, you know, oh, she's tired of being like his monster. Um, and she, you know, she just she just wants to get out of this. Like she's just over everything. And so Kenny's just kind of like, you know, there's a uh, boy keeps a spare gun in the drawer on the top left, and then he just like walks out. Yeah, Kenny turns savage. Door. He yeah. was savage mode on her. Full savage. Full savage. Yeah, he's mode. like, I don't give a shit. Yep. <laughs> he was just going, Stop yep. talking about my dad. He went all the way in on that part. Yeah, he did. Um, but anyway, we, that that scene ends there, and then we jump to the colony house where Reggie is just losing his damn mind, ringing the bell, going up to everyone like, "You can't go to sleep. They're gonna, we're all gonna die and shit." You know what I'm saying? Uh, like he's just going ham, and eventually, they get, uh, I think yeah, it was Elgin who restrains him. Yeah. Um, and just takes him upstairs. And he's just going ham, like, "Yo, we're all gonna die. You can't go to sleep." You know, scaring everybody. Uh, <laughs> He he just lost his mind because he's witnessed some crazy shit. So it's understandable. Yeah. Um, but then we get back to the RV and the music is still playing and they're just kind of stand. Uh, the people outside are still just standing there, the monsters. Um, and you know, Boyd's like, okay, we gotta we gotta get out of here because if that music stops, that's usually when you know bad shit follows. Yeah. Um, and then the music stops and there's banging underneath the RV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're like, how is that even possible? You know? Um, and then, you know, Randall, now he looks scared as fuck. Like, you know, now he, now he realized, oh, like this shit might actually be real. But in the, the banging is getting real loud. The lights are flickering and Randall's Randall eventually just like, fuck this. And then he, uh, breaks the window and he, he jumps outside. Uh, and so, you know, that kind of like, that's the cue. So Boyd breaks another window and, you know, they start uh, going outside. Uh, and some of the creatures follow Randall and that's when boy tests out the uh, bio bullets and he starts shooting them. Um, and obviously it ain't doing nothing. And that, that part mm-hmm. kind of annoyed me because he stood there for a long time shooting them. And it's like, dude, obviously it's yeah, like shit. you still shooting these bullets. You wasting yeah. these bullets. Uh, and then, uh, he hears a voice call to him and, uh, um, 
and it's Abby. And she's like, basically says something like, come to me or something like that. And then she, she up, said, come back to me. Oh, come back to me. Yeah. And when she said that, I was like, oh, why she say it like that? Because that to me, when you say come back to me, that means like she's where she's supposed to be and he's not where he's supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I don't know. I yeah. almost kind of felt like it could, um, you know, because her whole thing was like they were asleep or they were in like comas or whatever and they oh, needed right. to wake up. And, you know, he even said that previously. Well, maybe he's in a coma. And like, I feel like that's something you say this is somebody who is in a coma. Like, come back to me. Yeah. So it was interesting that she used those strings of words. Yeah, yeah that's, you know? that's a very good point. That's very interesting. Um, but yeah, so, but then she ends up, uh, uh, she ends up disappearing. She's just gone. Um, uh, and who, you said boys calling for him, calling for who? I have no <laughs> idea. Okay. Well, you know, boys still shooting his bullets. Obviously, they're not. Oh, working. no. Donna is calling for Boyd. My bad. Oh, she's okay. calling his name. Yeah. Yeah. She's telling Boyd to hurry up. Yeah. So they all finally get into the van and they take off. Randall's still in the woods uh, and he's still running. And then he like trips and falls. And then the cicadas start attacking him. Mm. Uh, does it cut away right as they're attacking him or does it, we see them go into him? No. Oh, yeah. They go into his mouth and stuff. But okay. you don't know what happens to him. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. And then that scene ends there. We cut to back to the sheriff's station with Kenny and Sarah. Uh, and Kenny comes into the room and he sees that Sarah's looking at the gun. He tells her to put it away. And then she kind of is just going on like, oh, like, fuck it. Like, let's play Russian roulette. Like, I'm going to leave it up to, you know, to the universe's <laughs> this hands. This scene was so stupid. Yep. And then she gets like two like... clicks in and he snatches the gun. And yeah, it was just <laughs> stupid. What was the point of this scene? Right. I don't know. But it was not needed. Like ugh. they just they just threw that in there. <laughs> yeah, they definitely just yeah. They definitely like I said, they be they be trying to pad these episodes out. That's definitely a pad yes. a padding option. Well that was definitely a pad. <laughs> yeah, oh for sure. Yep. But it was, it, we kind of see Kenny to me, it's kinda like he felt like kind of bad a little bit. I guess he felt bad, but my thing is he went so hard like five minutes ago and then he coming in like uh, well, I don't, I don't, that's what I'm saying. I think he felt bad by how hard he went. That's, I that's what don't think like he needed to feel bad. <laughs> yep. I, that's what I felt like. Um, but yeah, and then that scene ends there once he takes the gun. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we finally see the old lady again. And what is her name? I couldn't even think of her name. I don't know her name. Um, they but Elgin, yeah, I don't remember. Um, but Elgin's teaching her how to crochet, and, which is you know, funny because you would think she would be the one teaching him how to crochet, right? Um, <laughs> but he's teaching her how to do it, and Fatima's going around trying to make sure everyone's awake and everybody's good. Uh, and then the old lady, of course, uh, stops and tells her that she's going to be a great mom because that old lady be knowing everything. Everything. I don't know. How, it's she weird. knows everything. It's weird. She knows everything. And then you know, Elgin starts to look kind of weird in the face. Um and you know Fatima is is looking at uh, the woman like you know like yeah, how do you know, know that like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't tell I haven't been telling people that shit and she's just and the old lady's kind of like oh you know a mom when you see one or something like that which is stupid yeah she don't show no signs of being pregnant yeah. so something weird is going on with that old lady hopefully we'll find out in the season finale but something weird is up thing um, on top but you know Elgin's looking all weird because he in that moment he remembered his dream. 
but uh, right in that moment, the van pulls up. Um, and then we jump to Mari's Mari's room, and she's alone in the room, and she's hearing like all these scratching noises, and all of a sudden, cicadas start coming in from the window, and uh, she's tied to the bed, so there ain't nothing she could do but say that she just starts screaming, going ham. Uh, and Christy comes in, but you know, of course she can't see the cicadas, so you know she just yeah. looks at her like look like she's having a you know a seizure or something, mm-hmm. and she starts choking on the bugs, um, and I, and you know her eyes are looking all great. Yep, all Jack. You know Donna comes in, she's trying to calm everybody down, uh, and of course Jim tries to leave at one point. Dummy. And you like, just don't learn. Yeah. Somebody smack me upside the dead on head. And they're like, hell no. Nah. You're like, you're not about to put everybody at risk. You just, your family's fine. They're probably in the house somewhere. Sit down, you know? Yeah, like, why are you trying to go out here in these streets? Jim don't, he don't, his character for me, it, it's almost like a contradiction sometimes because it's like, he's supposed to be so smart, but he do such dumb stuff. Dumb stuff. And, um, uh, you know, Boyd runs up to help Christy, and we see that, you know, Mari's eyes are all jacked up, looking gray, but she's still breathing, though. Yeah. And, you know, Boyd tries to calm Christy down, be like, hey, look, she needs a doctor. You got to help her out. Um, And then Ellis runs in and, you know, tells Boyd, like, hey, like, you need to come listen to what Ellis just got to say, like, for real. Um, So, of course, Boyd, you know, Boyd goes down there and Elgin starts telling his dream. He says he saw a boy dressed in white and he heard the boy say the nursery rhyme. Uh, he also dropped that uh, Fossum was pregnant, and you know, boy had that look like. Oh, anybody tell me? Yep. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> but he was gonna do his huffing puff thing. Right, he, he did that earlier <laughs> in the episode, though. He did do his huff puff. <laughs> um, and after Elgin said the nursery rhyme, that's when Bakta was the Bakta, the the bus driver was like, "Hey, I know that nursery rhyme. My grandmother used to sing it," and she sings it. And I will say, like, I thought she was gonna sing more of it. But she just sung the exact same thing. Like, I thought she was going to, like, add to Well, no, because you know? these, the last few times, they've only been stopping out of the first part. But we, she says the whole thing that Kenny heard the first time. The Elgin didn't say the whole thing. He only said the, the first part. Yeah, but you would think that as a viewer, like her saying, oh, I know this. Oh, okay. It would like, be something else. Like, some more. You know, to- she was going to add more to it to make it have a, a greater revelation oh okay, but it's yeah, the same no. thing we've already heard so it's kind of like okay oh, well like, i guess for me, for me as a viewer i was thinking well wow because this isn't something that's contained within this world or wherever they are this is yeah. something that someone else knew outside of it. you know what i'm saying yeah i mean that part's but, cool but i, I thought it would be cool if she like you know when someone says something like we're watching the movie or something and someone's like oh i know that Normally, when something like that happens, like they add yeah. to it, where it like <laughs> makes it to the next level, where it's like, yeah, oh, I shit. get you, I get but you. But she just repeated the same exact thing. I'm like, so for me, it was kind of underwhelming. I'm like, oh, okay, I thought you was gonna like add some revealing thing in the back end, you know, right. make us be like, oh, oh, you know what I'm saying? But well, there gotta be some connection, right? So maybe in the next episode, like maybe her grandma knows something else. That yeah. we'll find out or something. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe they're saving it for, for for the finale, and she will add more to it. That's possible. Yeah. Um, but that scene ends with that, and then we're back at the Lou's house, and you know, Jade and Tabby are sitting there trying to decipher the drawing. When Julie starts to see the cicadas, and uh, you know, she starts choking on cicadas, getting the gray eyes, 
And now we have the three that I that that we believe from the nursery rhyme. They come for three, and the three is Julie, Randall, and Mari. Um, and the nursery rhyme mentions you know stopping the melody, but what does that mean? You know. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean? That's our mystery for the finale. And my question really is, will we even get any conclusions to any of these items? I doubt it. Probably not. And it's, that's but, gonna be. I thought we were gonna get like a real stupid cliffhanger for the finale. I guarantee it. Yeah, at this point, I think it's inevitable because we haven't gotten a lot of clarity or information. So it's clear that we're gonna have a cliffhanger, and I don't believe we're gonna be much closer to the discovery of what's going on. Right. I think, yeah, I just hope that we get a lot of information, like a a big information dump to really get us excited for season three. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, But I don't know. With the way the the show drags, there really ain't no telling. There's no telling. None at all. No telling. No telling. But yeah, so I I was like kind of like looking into some of the different theories. And I don't know. Some of them might be right. I still got to watch those theory videos. I'm, I'm going to watch those uh, before the finale airs. Yeah, definitely. Because I think my the biggest one was the whole Elgin and Fatima connection because of how in this particular episode, it wasn't until she said she was pregnant that he suddenly remembered his dream. Yeah. And I think they've also kind of, well, he kind of been close to Julie too, but I feel like, you know, he's kind of like gravitated to Fatima. Yeah, but wouldn't he know that that's his parents though? That's what I said too. Like, there's, I mean, also, like, there's no way he would not realize that's not, you know what I'm saying? His parents. I'm not saying he's their child, but I'm saying there maybe there's some kind of connection oh, with, okay. between them. Um, but yeah, that was the theory that he was really their, their kid. I don't really think that, but I do think that they have some sort of connection in some kind of way. Yeah. Um, and then what was something else I wanted to discuss? I forgot. Okay. Let me look up. Do you know the whole thing? The whole nursery rhyme? No, I don't remember the whole nursery. It's like they, they break. They steal, they something. They come for three. Oh, well, yeah, we know that part. <laughs> but you got to stop the melody. I mean, that's it. Um, let's see. Okay, let me see. I'm going to pull it up. Only because I feel like there's got to be, well, obviously there's clues within the nursing rhyme, right? Right. So, um, uh, let's see. Okay. So, if we look, try to break, let me just tell you what I was thinking, right? So they touch, they break, they steal. So I'm, I, first I was thinking that this has something to do with the three people that they mm-hmm. chose. But maybe not. I don't know. Because like, we got Randall and we got Julie. And I guess for me, that's my main thing, her. I, I don't know how she would fit into the that they touch, they break, they steal. I don't know what she'd have to be touched, right? Because Mari would be steal because she 
Stole yeah, some drugs. Stole some stuff. Yeah. Randall could be break because he's losing his damn mind. <laughs> uh, so I would assume Drew would be touched. Like, I don't know what that means, though. Yeah. But they also use the word I've they, seen... and they say they come for three. Oh, okay. So maybe this, the touch break still might not have nothing to do with the three. Yeah, it might be something else. Hmm. But I'm not sure. Yeah, and then the, the part that's like no one here is free. Mm-hmm. It's like, so are they trapped? They're, they're obviously these people are trapped there. They're so trapped. maybe they're talking yep. about them. Um, but the 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 comfort three part is they come for three yep. so some someone else outside of them is coming, coming for, for three. those three people yep unless you stop the melody so and what is that what is that what does stopping have to, the melody mean you know? yeah what part is that does it have to like kill them like kill something the entity that comes when the melody stops yeah i don't know man it's just crazy though yeah. Uh, <laughs> um there's not enough info to really it's not build a, a good theory. Yeah. And I just hope we get enough to help give these theories more direction or at least get some answers. Season yeah. finale, you have to get some answers. You can't just keep going completely vague with stuff that don't make no sense. Yeah. And I also think it um um the story because you know they brought up the chromonacle again and you know it started out about the chrom we know they were talking about the chromonacle and how um you know there was the lady on the the characters on the quest and all that kind of stuff like i need to go back and watch those episodes because maybe those also have some clues too because i feel like there's got to be some kind of like parallel with the chromonacle stories because they keep bringing it up you know ethan always brings it up all throughout the season so i need to look that look that back up again yeah, but yeah i don't know it's, i will, I will say it huh i see yeah, it could be some some implications there but really ain't no telling oh no that's crazy i will say that this episode um makes you think you know makes you think a little bit more because i feel like the previous episodes you kind of got these different pieces but you don't really know where they kind of go mm-hmm. you still don't know where they go but you got a little bit you know I feel like my pieces are closer. Yeah, you got more connective pieces. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. The question is, will they give you enough pieces to form a picture with it with the finale? <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. No that's telling. that's the real question. But hey, we're about to find out real yeah. real soon. All right, y'all hype for the finale. I think I'm kinda hyped because I wanna I, I wanna see what they're gonna do, obviously. Right. But um I'm I'm excited for it. I'm also excited to be kind of done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take a break. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Hype for the finale, though. I, you didn't answer my question. Oh yeah, I thought you said are y'all, but no, I'm hyped for the finale. Well, yeah, I, I thought you were talking about the audience, but um, but no, I'm happy for the finale. Uh, I'm kind of hyped. I'm kind of not just because uh, you know, I feel like I don't want to be. I just don't want to be disappointed by the finale. I think mm. that's that's kind of what I'm more concerned about. Cause I don't like I don't want to watch the finale and be like, damn, like uh, it just disappoints me, you know. Yeah. I just hope that it gives me answers or something, and that it's exciting and that they start to make at least some sense, and you know, we get more sense of direction. Because um, I don't want it to be this like barely any answers, super vague, super cliffhanger, 
it's just like wait till season three you know mm-hmm. if you're gonna do that give us enough stuff to create some really interesting theories with some really good potential um but i don't know we'll see but uh we will see yeah to make our sure viewers. to uh, make sure you follow us on tiktok because oh and we're gonna talk really about good follow-ups on there yeah yeah make sure you follow us on tiktok because i will post a reaction that, that, uh on sunday uh, about this finale so uh we will see uh but let us know what y'all think about uh, episode nine and then of course when that finale drops uh let us know what y'all think about that as well and then season two as a whole uh but with that y'all that concludes this episode of the in love with horror podcast if you listen all the way to the end thank you so much for listening to the entire thing and spending some time with us as we talk about all these cool things that were going on with horror this week. Uh, it's a lot of great stuff. And as you know, it, this year it's just, it's just kind of an exciting time to be a horror fan. Make sure you're following us on all of our uh, social media channels. Make sure you're following us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, everything. And then also uh, make sure you check out our website in love with horror.com. A great way to support us in the podcast. Got a lot of cool merch on there. Um, But yeah, again, thank y'all so much. And we'll see y'all in the next episode of In Love With Horror.